We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon football returns home this week for their final non-conference game of the 2023 slate against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, and we're taking an early look at that matchup on today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast, whether you're watching us on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus or listening to us on your podcasting platform of choice. I'm just happy to have you here to talk some duck football with me. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to today's show. Coming at you five days a week. If you haven't already, make sure you check out the most recent episode of the podcast where I evaluate the future of Oregon's quarterback room, looking at the guys that are on the roster and then mixing that in with boots on the ground, in-person evaluations of Oregon's three quarterback commits, Luke Moga, Michael Van Buren, and Akili Smith Jr. Had a whole lot of fun with that one, so go check it out if you haven't already. But for today, this is another episode of the Oregon Rundown If you're new to this little kind of sub-series that I have on the podcast, it's where I kind of like to just take a couple of different stories, a couple of different headlines, and mix them together and just kind of freestyle covering this awesome uh, school and athletic department that just is never short of stories. So we're going to start today's episode with a bit of a recruiting focus, as I know a lot of people will be interested in this one Let's start off talking about five-star modern-day offensive tackle Brandon Baker. Brandon Baker is set to announce his commitment in just 11 days. It is Wednesday, September 13th as I record this. A little bit of a a gloomy day here in, in Long Beach to start things out. But Brandon Baker, if you can do the math there, is going to be announcing his college commitment on Sunday, September 24th. And he recently announced the top five of Oregon. Texas, Nebraska, Florida State, and Ohio State. So lots of big heavy hitter schools in the mix for Brandon Baker leading up to his commitment, but he has one more official visit to take. He's going to be taking an official visit to Nebraska. 
this weekend to check out Matt Rule and the Cornhuskers. And it really does kind of feel in this one like Oregon is not going to be the team to beat in this one. And all of the momentum is on Texas's side as Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns are flying high and looking to cash in on some recruiting momentum following their huge non-conference win on the road in Tuscaloosa over Nick Saban in the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I think I'm going to I'm going to go on the podcast here and say it, but a little later on today, I'm going to change my prediction from Oregon to Texas for Brandon Baker. And that's not uh, an easy decision to make necessarily. Definitely not one that I thought I was going to be making after covering this recruitment for a very long time. Really seemed like Oregon was Baker's to lose, but It doesn't seem at this point like he's going to be getting back on campus for an official visit. Took official visits, like we said, upcoming this weekend to Nebraska. Also took official visits to Texas, Ohio State, and um, Texas, Ohio State, and uh, Georgia, I want to say. Let me take another look at this real quick because I'm having a little bit of a brain fart. Uh, But he did take official visits to Georgia. Ohio State and Texas. Okay, and then you got Nebraska upcoming this weekend. So just wanted to make sure I had my facts straight there. But that's the that's the development is that he hasn't made it out to Eugene for an official visit. And as of right now, as I record this, it doesn't look like there's a lot of confidence that that trip is going to happen. Kind of seemed like Oregon's last chance at uh, trying to capture some of that momentum. I told you guys earlier on, uh, late in the summer, I should say, recently that Texas was a a big threat in this recruitment and and that they had kind of loomed large in in this one. I know that uh, some of the people in in Baker's camp have been very high on Texas. So that's part of the reason that you're seeing them trend. And then I said that big win over Alabama is only going to help strengthen their pitch as Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns are recruiting at an incredibly high clip here. I think Oregon not getting them on campus for that official visit earlier certainly is part of what hurt them. But I also think part of it comes with Oregon kind of starting to prioritize some other guys along the offensive line. You're looking at Eddie Pierre-Louise out of Florida, Jordan Seaton also out of Florida. He, uh, it looks like, is going to be reportedly visiting Oregon for the USC game. But Oregon is just weighing their options. I think that um, it, it looks like on the surface, this was a can't-miss guy, someone that you absolutely cannot miss. But If Oregon does, in fact, miss on Brandon Baker, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think that Oregon has kind of been a program that has been doing, been capable of doing, I should say, more with less when you're looking at the offensive line. You look at how well TJ Bass turned out, Alex Forsyth turned out. These guys weren't necessarily top-tier recruits. And they were able to do just fine along the offensive line and do very, very well. I think where the priority lies is on the defensive line. And that's kind of where the Oregon looks to bridge the gap between themselves and some of these other top tier programs nationally. So pod heard it first. I'm going to be changing my prediction to Texas. I know I'm not the first one making this prediction, but um, it's certainly a notable development on the recruiting trail with one of Dan Lanning's top targets in the 2024 recruiting class. Got one more recruiting note to hit on, and then we will get into some Oregon versus Hawaii talk. Well, 
Brandon Baker may not be the biggest priority for Oregon on the recruiting trail right now, but one of his teammates, you could probably say he is a recruiting priority for Dan Lanning and company. Aiden Breland, five-star offensive, five-star defensive lineman, I'm sorry, from Santa Ana, California, modern day, is 100% a major priority for Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks here in the 2024 class, no doubt about it. He is going to be taking an unofficial visit out to Athens this weekend to see the Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, that's a significant development because this recruitment for Aiden Breland, five-star defensive lineman, seems like it has been a Georgia versus Oregon battle for a while now. Um, And then you also have schools like Texas A&M and Miami that are still in the mix here. This trip was interesting to me because I talked to Breland last month And he said he was going to be chopping it down to a top four very soon. We still haven't seen that. And we still don't have a commitment date for Aiden Breland. It kind of feels like it could come at any time right now. But part of the reason that I feel like Oregon has a better chance with Breland than Baker is because there isn't a decision timeline right now. So it seems like that window would naturally be a little bit more open. And I think that he is a bigger priority for Oregon in this class I've kind of been alluding to it in previous podcasts, but if I had to pick one of getting Breland or Baker, I think I'm going Breland if I'm looking at this through the Oregon lens and just getting that program, getting that defense to a championship caliber level. You're losing a lot of guys after this year. Popo Amavai, Jordan Birch likely uh, playing their last season. I know Birch just got here, but I'm sure that that's the plan is that He develops this year, has a great season, and heads off to the NFL, but he could come back next year. But either way, Casey Rogers is another name. The Ducks are uh, positioned to lose after this season with him exhausting his college eligibility. So you're going to need to bring in some big names along the defensive line, and that is exactly what the Ducks would love to do. Now that he's going to be heading out to Athens for a visit, we already knew that Oregon was prioritizing getting Aiden Breland back on campus. I was talking to some sources close to the program in Eugene, and they were telling me that there was an effort to get Aiden Breland on campus back in July for Oregon's Saturday Night Live camp that is right out on the heels of the dead period, coming out of that dead period. But that trip didn't happen, so you got to figure that they've stayed involved behind the scenes here and are doing everything they can to get him out to a game. But they would probably love to get him out for that Colorado game since that's their next marquee home game. And Breland obviously won't be coming to Eugene this weekend. Um, so the Georgia visit is definitely a notable development in this one. I wrote about it on Ducks Digest yesterday, or maybe it was Monday. Um, but Oregon does have some very strong competition for Aiden Breland, but I think that they are in a better spot than a lot of people think, certainly on the surface. As a West Coast guy, I think Tony Tuioti has been doing a great job as a recruiter. You also have Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy, of course, involved in this one. Ducks would love to add Aiden Breland to a very strong 2024 defensive line class that already includes the likes of Tion Gray out of St. Louis, Missouri, 300-pounder, Zadavian Sims, 6'3", 6'4", 275-pound defensive lineman out of Oklahoma, number one player in that state in a recent Adidas All-American selection, so That's kind of the latest recruiting notes that I have right now. Aiden Breland is a major, major priority for the Ducks. I think that there's still a very real possibility that he ends up going to Oregon. But I'm not predicting him to Oregon. I'm just saying I think it's real. But that being said, 
you can't get much stronger competition on the recruiting trail than Kirby Smart and the back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. So Breland, that's kind of a little note there. I think the Ducks are still very much alive in that recruitment. Fading for Brandon Baker, probably feel like he's going to end up a Longhorn at this point. So turning the page now and starting to dive into this Hawaii matchup a little bit. Oregon comes back to Eugene for a home matchup against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors in Autzen Stadium on Saturday. Kickoff is set for 5 o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. You'll have Ted Robinson and the GOAT, Yogi Roth, on the call. So definitely enjoy those Yogi Roth games while the Pac-12 Network is still a thing. But we got to talk about this matchup. Oregon, of course, 2-0 coming off of that big 38-30 road win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And then the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors enter this matchup at 1-2 and and are coming off a win themselves, albeit against a much lower caliber opponent. The University at Albany, 31-20 win uh, last week, week two. And Hawaii is one of a few teams that plays a week zero game every year. And they only lost to Vanderbilt in that week zero game by a score of 28 to 35. So I think they gave people a better shot. They gave Vanderbilt a better shot than maybe some people were, were expecting. Although this isn't exactly uh, Vanderbilt, I would say, isn't exactly a team that's super highly thought of nationally. Uh, certainly not in the SEC. I feel like they're definitely thought of, viewed as that bottom caliber team. But Hawaii's got some guys. Hawaii's got uh, some talented players that Oregon's definitely got to be aware of. When you're looking at this Hawaii offense, I think that the conversation obviously starts with their quarterback, Braden Shager. Uh, he's obviously the, the point person with that offense, that he's what makes their offense go. And he's a talented quarterback. Dan Lanning was quick to acknowledge how talented he is in his Monday night press conference, talking about how he has one of the strongest arms, probably the strongest arm of any quarterback that they will face so far this season. Uh, Obviously, the quarterback play is only going to continue to get better now um, with Oregon's 2023 slate games against Colorado and Shadur Sanders, Caleb Williams and USC, Michael Penix and Washington. So Braden Shager is a talented guy, no doubt about it. He's someone that the Ducks are going to have to key in on, and he's going to be a huge part of what Timmy Chang and that Rainbow Warriors offense is going to be able to do when they make it out to Autzen Stadium on Saturday. Just looking at his last game, pretty solid game. Shager, 23 for 40, 266 yards and four touchdowns. He did turn the ball over quite a bit, though. Three interceptions for him against Albany. And he was sacked five times. So it feels like the Rainbow Warriors are a little bit vulnerable uh, along the offensive line, seeing that Albany was able to get five sacks on them. I feel like this could be a big day for the Oregon defense along the defensive line if they're able to get home and not let too many of those plays develop for a really long time. And then you also have some talented wide receivers and Stephen McBride, the Kansas transfer that uh, they're really excited about over there at Hawaii He got a touchdown last week against Albany. And then you also have another guy, Pofele uh, Ashlock. He had four catches for 74 yards last week, and he's off to a hot start this year. Ashlock has 19 catches for 315 yards and three touchdowns on the year. So this is going to be a good test for the Oregon secondary. I'm going to get into it a little bit later as far as what kind of challenges this 
offense presents the Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy defense, but they have some talented playmakers in this game. So the secondary is going to have to come ready. And so is the rest of that defense, but particularly interested in what that matchup looks like for Oregon in an offense versus defense deal, trying to slow down Hawaii's offense with their work in progress defense. Let's call it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's kind of dig into some of the interesting storylines that we have in this Oregon versus Hawaii matchup at home in Austin Stadium in week three. I think that when you're looking at the opportunities that Oregon has here and what they can accomplish in this game, I think Bo Nix should have a strong game. There's really not much to think about there. I know that that near pick against Texas Tech scared a lot of people. It scared me as well. But the Oregon offense shouldn't really have any issues here. And this is a good opportunity for Ty Thompson to come in and really get some quality play against a power five opponent. We saw him in week one against Portland state, but that was an FCS opponent. And I really don't think you can make too much of his performance there. I think he went seven for eight and had a passing touchdown in that game, but I would love for this game to be a blowout and for us to see plenty of Ty Thompson, because this is one of those key opportunities that he's going to have to prove to people that he is Oregon's guy in 2024 after Bo Nix leaves. So I've been in that camp. I'll believe it when I see it as far as Ty Thompson goes. I don't think Hawaii is a great test, but it is a better test than the one that Portland State presented the Ducks a couple short weeks ago. Another opportunity for the Ducks this week, another storyline that we're monitoring, and a question that I kind of have is, can this offensive line gel? It's another opportunity for them to gel and get on the same page. We saw um, sophomore Josh Connerly get hit with some false start penalties, which he quickly owned during the press conferences on Tuesday after practice. So that was great to see. But you also saw like at least one instance that I can remember of guys pulling and running into each other. So there's still a work in progress. It's not a perfect group by any stretch of the word, but um I think this is an opportunity for them to just get on the same page, get into a rhythm. Are they going to have one of what we think is going to be a key piece this year in Nishad Struther? He was back at practice on Tuesday. He was in full pads, but he was wearing trainers, and he didn't participate in any drills that uh, during that practice portion that was open to the media. I got that from my good buddy Eric Scopel over on Duck Territory. That was in his practice report that he wrote on Tuesday. So with this game being one that should be one the Ducks handle pretty easily, I don't assume that we'll see too much of Nashad Struther along that offensive line. 
But nevertheless, I think this is still a great opportunity for that group to just continue growing, establish themselves. I want to see the Ducks establish the run a bit more. That was one of the other points that I had in this game. I think that the run game didn't look as dominant as a lot of people expected in that game against Texas Tech. That's probably a little bit of a credit to their defensive line. And then also, uh, I guess, a little bit of critique of Oregon's offense. They finished the day with 31 carries for 113 yards, and they averaged 3.6 yards per carry. So kind of felt a little bit, well, at least while I was watching the game, that they were getting away from that run a little bit. And we all know that that is kind of Oregon's identity, being a run-first team, using the run to establish your offense and open up other possibilities. That's not rocket science, right? So I think if this offensive line has a stronger game, Oregon's run game should be a little bit better. Seeing guys like uh, Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, Jordan James, loved how much I saw Bo Nix use his legs against Texas Tech. I don't anticipate that will be so much the case this weekend when the Ducks play the Rainbow Warriors as you don't want to be putting Bo Nix in harm's way. I think you kind of only want to run when you have to, but obviously he is such a gifted runner. Any offensive coordinator would be messing up if they're not using Bo Nix's legs. So kind of an interesting look there. We'll see how much we actually get of Bo Nix running the ball on Saturday. Another one that, uh, another point that I think I'm looking forward to in this game, Oregon versus Hawaii, I want to see more of the tight ends. I thought the tight ends had a great game against Texas Tech. Patrick Herbert caught all three of his targets and turned that into 34 yards. Terrence Ferguson caught two of his three targets last week in Lubbock and turned that into 30 yards. And I think that with how close that week one game was against Texas Tech, I think that those plays that they had were really important. I wish that there was a stat for for first downs in terms of first downs responsible for because I watched the highlights again this morning and they were moving the chains. They had some really big plays uh, and some big moments. I think Patrick Herbert continues to look really, really good. We kind of already know what the Ducks have in Terrence Ferguson. I don't think that there's there isn't as much of a conversation of oh, how much better can this guy get? Can he develop and and take his game to the next level? Terrence Ferguson is a great tight end, and I think he's definitely going to be a a continued favorite target for Bo Nix this year. But give me more of Patrick Herbert. He he looked really good, and I think that he, while he isn't as athletic as Terrence Ferguson, I think he can do a lot of what you need from a tight end. And uh, as long as you catch the ball, move the chains, show up when your number's called and block well, that's about all you can ask for from a tight end. And I really like what I'm seeing from that group. And then you also want to see a little bit more of Casey Kelly and maybe even some of Kenyon Sadiq. He almost had a touchdown, maybe should have had a touchdown in his college debut against Portland State in week one. Give me more of the tight ends. Maybe I'm a little biased because I played some tight end myself in high school, but love that position, love how versatile it can be. And I think the Ducks definitely have some good ones that Will Stein is going to take advantage of throughout the season. Taking a little sip of coffee here on a Wednesday. I don't know about you guys, but I just woke up today in a really good mood. Hit the gym. Never a a bad way to start your day. Got the coffee flowing. I'm covering football for a living. I'm talking about the Ducks. Things can't get much better if you're asking me. So... What else do we have here? I have a couple more notes on offense. Then we'll hop on over to the defensive side of the ball as we give our early look at Oregon's final tune-up against Hawaii. 
I want to see more of Tez Johnson. Tez Johnson, I think, could be an absolute X factor for this Oregon offense this year. And he is just one of many gifted wide receivers that Junior Adams and the Oregon offense have at their disposal. And he got plenty of looks in that opener, uh, the not the opener, excuse me, the week two game against Texas Tech. Had seven targets, only caught four of them, but he did turn that into 37 yards. And of his 37 yards, 24 of those came after the catch. And he had that one touchdown against Texas Tech, which I think was a really big one, kind of bailed out the offense after some false starts and some penalties. Looked like they might have been stalling the drive or heading towards stalling the drive. So we all know about Tez Johnson's speed, his quickness, his playmaking. I just want to see more of it. So I think he's a guy I'm super excited about. Every time I say he's a guy, I always think about Chris Collinsworth and and listening to him saying, oh, here's a guy. So maybe I need to work on that. Hopefully that's not that's not a, a crutch for me. But Tez Johnson is a really exciting player. I think he can do some special things with the ball in his hand. So you got to feed that guy, get him in space, get him involved, and just watch the show. Watch him go to work. Last note I have here that is a worthy one, an important one for Oregon's offense, an update coming out of Hawaii earlier this week. The Rainbow Warriors announced that they had lost linebacker Logan Taylor for the 2023 season due to injury. And a lot of people kind of seem to be looking at that as their best defensive player. Junior college guy transferred into Hawaii and was looking to, to you know, turn a new leaf and, and make a, a statement for the Rainbow Warriors. But unfortunately, this is a physical game and injuries happen. So Tommy Chang and the, the Rainbow Warriors will be without their best defensive player, it looks like. Timmy Chang, excuse me. Timmy Chang, head coach for the Rainbow Warriors. He and his squad will be without Logan Taylor when they travel to Eugene this week. So you think maybe that opens more opportunities for the tight ends over the middle. This was kind of a similar deal last week, actually, because Texas Tech also lost a linebacker uh, to injury. It wasn't for the whole season. Maybe lost isn't the right word. Um, they didn't have uh, one of their best linebackers for that game against Oregon, and we didn't see the, the Ducks really take too much advantage of it over the middle. So now that we know that going into this matchup against Hawaii, maybe it's an opportunity for the ducks to make some noise in the middle of that defense. Now flipping over to the defense, uh, an injury update that we got on Tuesday. This one again comes from Eric Scopel. And uh, the update really is that Justin Jacobs still doesn't look available um, Justin Jacobs was absent from Tuesday's practice and, uh, Scopel wrote, I'm quoting from his, uh, article here, the practice report on Tuesday over on duckterritory.com. Jacobs had been a partial participant over the previous four practices open to the media. He was not seen on Tuesday. So this is notable because it might look like from this development that we may not see Justin Jacobs again when the Ducks play Hawaii on Saturday. And I don't think that's the end of the world. What I do think is important is that you definitely want that guy back for week four, Oregon's Pac-12 opener against the Colorado Buffaloes. Their offense has been operating super effectively and efficiently. So you definitely want him back for that game. Uh, we know that Dan Lanning doesn't talk too much about injuries, so don't expect to get too much out of him. On uh, Wednesday, he's supposed to speak with the reporters in just a couple of hours. But hey, Bryce Betcher looked good for Oregon. 
two-sport athlete, baseball and football. He's playing some linebacker, and I think he looked good. Almost forced a fumble on a sack against Tyler Shuck. Devin Jackson got some good run as well. Another good opportunity to get him some good reps. Jamal Hill had a solid game. He had, of course, that uh, strip sack um, against Tyler Shuck. So he's looking like he's feeling comfortable. Got a big game under his belt since he moved to linebacker. So I don't think that's the end of the world, but you definitely need to monitor what Justin Jacobs' availability looks like moving forward because the Ducks do have that really big game against Colorado. Another storyline that we're monitoring going into this game It's no secret Hawaii loves to air it out. True air raid team, which means this secondary will get another big test, not dissimilar to the test they faced last week out in Lubbock. So we're still trying to learn what this secondary looks like. And um, I think that one of the big standout performances from last week was Jaleel Florence. He's a guy I continue to be really excited about entering his sophomore season, came over to the Ducks from Lincoln, San Diego, got to cover their game last week. The uh, Hornets, who are home to 2025 Oregon quarterback commit Achilles Smith Jr. But Florence looks good. He continues to make strides and he's feeling more comfortable. Dan Lanning was asked why more or less he was uh, a guy that they're feeling confident in. He made his starting debut, I believe, against Texas Tech. And he was saying it really starts with what Jaleel is doing in practice. And it's all about getting them more opportunities, getting them more reps, and just building that consistency. So Jaleel Florence was a special talent coming out of high school. Long, fast guy, playmaker. And I think so far he is living up to the billing. I think you're obviously going to see some growing pains. You're going to see some, some times where he maybe gets burnt or uh, you know has some lapses in coverage. But I think that I'm really encouraged by what he brings to the table for Oregon from a defensive standpoint. And uh, like I said, still trying to figure out what this secondary looks like. Kyrie Jackson, the Alabama transfer, he did have an interception in that game against Texas Tech. Um, also had a bonehead pass interference call that I know he wished he could have back, but cannot have situations like that in, in big time games. And he also had a missed tackle late in that game against Texas Tech. I think they got an extra 15 or so yards. So definitely a bounce back opportunity for Kyrie Jackson this week against Hawaii. And then you're still seeing a lot of rotations, right? Seeing guys like Evan Williams that uh, are still looking to, to kind of settle in in their new home at Oregon. Taishim Johnson kind of had a, a little bit of a mixed bag of a game, had a big sack on Tyler Shuck. So loved what I saw from the, from the defense as far as just giving them those uh, interesting looks. And having some defensive back blitzes, some nickel blitzes, I think that's super exciting. And you want to just put these guys in positions to make plays. And that's definitely something that Taishim Johnson did over this past weekend. And then on a bigger, broader point, I think you're still trying to figure out what this starting rotation looks like or just what your two deep looks like as a defense. And I think that this is another game against Hawaii. I put it in the title a tune-up game, non-conference game. So rotate a bunch of guys in. I think you obviously want to build your lead, but get as many guys reps as you possibly can because the schedule is only going to get harder from here on out for the Ducks when they face Colorado in week four. So I think you want to get some clarity in the secondary, right? You're just playing a ton of guys there, which isn't a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing to play a lot of players, but 
I think there is a value in knowing who your best group is and knowing which guys you can put out there in those tight situations or in third down situations, whatever it might be. I think you definitely want some more clarity at that linebacker spot in particular, seeing that you have a lot of guys that have been playing a lot of snaps and because we don't know what Justin Jacobs' status is right now, but it seems doubtful that he'll play, doubtful that he'll play on Saturday. But I like what I'm seeing from guys like Jamal Hill, Bryce Betcher and company. Jeffrey Bossa obviously had that pick six, so huge game for him. And just another thought that I had, how fitting is it that Oregon passed its first big test of the year and made their first statement in the 2023 season on a defensive play? I thought that was great. If you're looking at Dan Lanning's identity of this program, obviously he's a defensive-minded head coach. That's, I think, as great as the Oregon offense is, as great as Bo Nix is, I don't know if the offense is the story right now, or even for this season. I think really the story for me, how much of a leap can that defense make from year one to year two with Dan Lanning, with Tosh Lapoy, with all the transfers that they brought in, with all of these stud true freshmen that are playing right away. I'm talking Mateo Uyunglele. I'm talking Blake Purchase. I'm talking Tatum Tuioti. All of those guys played a lot of football against Texas Tech last week. So that's kind of a big storyline that I'm going to continue to monitor. And I think that we'll get a better feel for what Oregon's defense is going to look like this year against Hawaii. What guys have kind of maybe locked down some spots. I think that's always something you can look at and kind of take away from in games seeing that uh, they're heading into their regular season now after they play Hawaii. So I think you still want to rotate a lot of guys this game, but hopefully you can turn on the tape on Sunday if you're Dan Landing and the rest of this coaching staff and say, okay, this is our best group. This is who we think we're going to go into battle with when we welcome Colorado to town next week. Well, guys, that will do it for us on another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. couple of quick reminders for you. Important to lock in with me on all social media networks. I'm at mTaurus Sports on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, at Oregon Football Max Taurus. And you can find the Ducks Dish Podcast on your podcasting platform of choice. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. You can find my written work over on DucksDigest.com and then share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, and with other Duck fans. And until next time, appreciate you guys stopping by, taking some time out of your day to talk some Duck football, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.